Hi there and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's fly, loose fit it. It's Cortez. If freeze and chubbies in it. It's Cortez. Leave your mark. It's about inspiring the world. One guess at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb. It's Cortez, you heard? And here is our host, Vince Cortez. This is Leave Your Mark. I'm Vince Cortez, and today's guest is Matthew Rose. He is the founder of the band Tropodelic. He's born and bred Pittsburgher, living in Cleveland, Ohio. He performs at some of the largest rock and reggae events in the United States for the past seven years. He is hosting two festivals this year, Sunny Days Festival and the Everwild Music Event, and he's here to share his story of his alcohol recovery today. Rhodes, thanks for coming by. Hi, buddy. How are you? Well, I'm excited for you because, you know, we're cranking up another year on the tour, and you you guys are like old veterans now, and this the summer season is starting to go, so we're not going to see much of you, and it's like the energy and the excitement is about to begin. So uh, what, what what's cooking right now immediately? Well, I leave for a big a big tour here um, at the end of the month. Uh, I got a major festival on April 30th in Atlanta called 420 Fest by Sweetwater. Um, the, the the beer company and Snoop Dogg's playing and a bunch of huge bands, and we're down there for that. And then we leave for three weeks out to the Dakotas and back uh, supporting a band called Iration in May. Uh, now, just, are you doing anything this year with 311? We actually just announced um, I'll have a song coming out this Friday with Nick Hexum of 311, the lead singer of 311. So I don't know when this is dated for, but it might be out by the time this comes out. But the uh, song is called Falling Down. Okay, now, are you going to have any videos? Because I know we we had a video that was quite exciting of you on the beach, <laughs> the all together. Just the insider story I heard, it took more than a few takes. So those of you that see this video, this man went through it for you. He put it out there. It was That's freezing right. cold weather, and uh, he, took he was coats. having a good time on the beach. Let's just say that. So um, what I want to do is, is I want to get the audience familiar with who you are and where you came from and what was going on. So you're born in where? Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, man. Pittsburgh, born and bred. Okay, and you said Richland Township, and yep. your mom and your dad are very good friends of mine. You got a brother, Andy, and Greg. And you got some childhood experiences there because I know the three of you are very close. And uh, what would you like to share with me, with the three of you, as a fond memory in your childhood? Well, Andy, my youngest, is he's like he's like eight years younger than me or so. So he was like I remember holding him as a baby, being you know not not so young myself. Um, but you know we growing up just shit kicking around in the backyard. Um, down, you know, we used to live a kind of you know, like a, a house that had like you could hear the rooster, you know, across the valley. And, you know, our church was right around the corner and we we play with all neighborhood kids and we would catch bats in the butterfly net at night. You know, like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Our dad had both a big tree house. So we kind of had like a suburban, little bit rural kind of, you know, upbringing for my, you know, my early childhood out in Richland Township. It was, it was nice. Now, you got into high school, you played athletics, your basketball, and then you had your own band. When did you start playing an instrument? When did you realize that you really had a great feeling for music? Well, they forced me to play the saxophone in the St. Alphonsus 
elementary school band until <laughs> I, I in the convent uh, in the convent of the, uh, uh, of the church there in the basement until I had enough and I said can yo can I can I just make a, a lateral switch here and go to guitar and they let me thankfully and that's when I really kind of took off and I started writing songs as soon as I could play a few chords. Oh, how old were you when that happened? I was probably like eighth grade, you know, oh, eighth boy. grade. Yeah. So and then just, from there I had a band in high school and you know I just love writing songs more than anything. Okay, so now you're you're in high school. You finish out, you go to Kent State University, you graduate with the BS in marketing in 2007, and you're ready to step out into the real world. Now, yeah. you've been doing the band thing for a little while at this point, so what, what's going on through your head when you're getting ready to graduate and get on with life? You know what? Not a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, I, I moved to Cleveland. I, I didn't know anybody. I had been. I went to Kent State like an hour from Cleveland. I maybe went to Cleveland twice, three times. I didn't know anything about it. I knew I didn't want to go back to Pittsburgh, though, and just kind of like go back and do what a lot of my buddies were doing. So I moved up here, like not knowing anybody, really. Um, and I went to work. I worked at a desk, you know, did that a lot of years while doing the band on the side. And then somewhere like in my mid-20s or so, I said, you know what, bro, I can't. This isn't my life. Like, I'm not going to sit behind this desk for 35 years here and do this. And I re reevaluated my priorities. And now, you know, the band is how I make my primary income. I do other things on the side occasionally, um, but that's, you know, I flip-flop my priorities and uh, it, was, it was the best decision I made in the last 10 years or so. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. Well, you, you have a lot that happened inside here. Let's kind of get into that because now... You're 27, so you're out of school a while, and you got a taste of the real world, and you know it's not yet, but you, you've been working the band thing. So did you have, like, how many band members? Because it, it takes a while for bands to gel, and you, sure. you know, get the right mix of players. Because I know uh, when, when I was following you in the beginning, when I first come back from Los Angeles about seven years ago, you had had a couple guys. You had a keyboard player for a while. Then he had a couple of uh, other mates come and go. And, and so it's like you've really refined down what you're doing. But it's like those are the growing pains of the band that the, the general public doesn't really understand what goes on in there. So you're the founder of the band. You, you, how, how do you go about bringing mates in that you're going to work with and, and, and really make a sound that gets people excited? It's a tough thing. And in fact, I was thinking about this the other day. I can't think of another profession where it's to build a business from the ground up. It involves being go going through the utter misery that you that you encounter on the road between personnel, between breakdowns, between being broke. Like there's nothing I, I can think of. I'm sure there's some stuff out there as real as, you know, feeling as gutted as broken down the side of the freeway in 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 friggin, uh, you know, in Colorado with no no idea how you're going to get back. You got no money, you're not doing anything. It's all for this like uh, light at the end of the tunnel hope that um, that it's going to pay off. And, 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 and getting people to buy into that hope was a big thing, too. And, and thankfully, the last, you know, six or seven years now, I've, I've found the guys that that see the vision. And it's, it's about finding people that can see that vision with you and, and share the goals and everything like that. Now, is this the current uh, group that you have that you got the record label? Because you, things have changed quite a bit for you since you guys got signed. So you go through this hell and 
I mean, you get signed. That's huge because that's what all the bands are after to, to get to the position that you currently hold. So um, share with me what you guys did that was the tipping point to get signed. You got to make waves. You got to get you got to get attention. And, and and that starts that starts in your backyard first, you know, so we got to do numbers. We did number. We started we started bringing people in Cleveland, bringing people in Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Columbus and stuff. And then we go out of our way and do stuff. When they had to RNC in Cleveland, we were down there making all kind of noise, getting on the news. We got on Al Jazeera. I mean, like we were like, we were just any opportunity we can to kind of exploit some attention and make some ways we did. And then you have a little bit of clout and you leverage that to the next little bit of clout and you get some bigger players attention. Um, and now we're lucky enough, you know, we, we're, we're on our, we signed with this company we're with now that manages us and, and does a label side of things called Ineffable out of Northern California. And they're and they're a big player in the game, and they and they even help us with the big picture leverage stuff, which has been great, and they've been good to us. This is fantastic. So, uh, what I want to talk about now is is when did the issues of going through what you were on the road, as traumatic as that was, did you start getting involved in alcohol and, and drugs and things of this sort? It was like a slow burn, to be honest. Like you do it, you know, do the typical sort of college party stuff, nothing outrageous. I was like booking bands at a bar I was a DJ and I lived on the same street and we'd be just be partying out of our minds just you know nothing hard or nothing just booze and stuff but you don't really like realize and I think it's the same story from a lot of my buddies back home like you don't you don't see that creeping up in the background it's not until like maybe you're like in that real world scenario where you don't have the comfort of your your buddy's house or your your parents uh stipend on your food plan at college or whatever to you realize like oh maybe maybe there's something here that I you know I, I got to stand on my own too and it's easy to fall back to what well, you can buy at the mini mart down the street for, you know, two ninety nine a tall boy. Um, and, you know, it, it crept up on me and it got out of control. Um, but, it, you know, it, it all kind of reached a point where I was like, you know, do I want to have a healthy, fulfilling life here? Or do I want to probably die young and be miserable until that point? Where you're like, realizing oh. this is beginning to happen. How far along are you in your journey before you get signed? So that's that's the thing. That's why I adjusted my statement before about best decision. This was the best decision I had ever made. So we weren't signed yet. When I when I got sober, which I'm coming up on six years in September, um, my life trajectory. I mean, it literally did a 180. And you know, and I come across people before this that would tell me, "Oh, you, everything's going to change for you." And you're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, whatever, bro." I mean, it seriously, it went. It just it took it just went crazy, like. And, and, there, and, and I, you know, I was like, maybe this isn't because I got sober. Maybe it's just because all these years of hard work. But it's been staying that way for the last six years. You know, it's like it's undeniable. The clarity and, and, and the self-awareness I gained allowed me to focus, allowed me to work harder, be smarter, be a better person. And it's, it's, it comes out in the, in, the, in the pudding, you know, like it's amazing. So now then you're drinking and it's a lifestyle thing here. Um, I mean, the, the, the question that most people would assume because culturally speaking rock sex drugs and rock and roll is our culture so right. i mean are there other things going on besides just alcohol and like how far out of control did your life get it was bad man i said this on another podcast recently but so like i was so bad that it wasn't like uh like i didn't i didn't really care if i lived or died i really didn't honest to god and it was so bad that i was like there was times where i'd be driving on the freeway right and i was just close my eyes and i and it wouldn't be like i was trying to do anything it was just like i was flirting with the idea like i was, I was like i'll just, just do 10 seconds this time you know looking back now it's incredibly reckless selfish and stupid but like that's the kind of stuff i was doing i was like right on the edge where i was just like you know what? i don't care that much um 
because I was miserable. I was miserable inside. I wasn't happy about myself. Um, you know, and, and it, and it, it's like, it's a perpetual snowball, like, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's very hard to correct. So I'm very blessed and thankful that I could reach this point where I was like, my eyes were opened. Uh, and I, you know, pray, you know, hope I never go back. If you are listening from Australia, Florida, or just from around the corner, from East Coast to West Coast outlets, if you're not to the dirty South straight, make a left body, body. Contact us, leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. So the thing that's great about this is we all have our own way of kind of finding out who we are. And you're at the age here where you want something so badly that you're going to put yourself through a living hell to get it. So the idea then, and, and I know this from knowing you personally, that your background and going through, you know, coming up, you're Catholic and you're going to church and you got all your moral compass in place. The challenges on that are huge because, you know, you've risen to a level where people begin to idolize and the music is interesting because it has a way of hypnotizing people. So it, and, and to some people, you, as a musician, you could be a bit of a snake charmer because they can hear what you do. They like what you do and they're under whatever influence you're going to put down on them. So to create an identity for yourself strong enough when you were at that point where you didn't care i mean this is a big comeback matt this Thank is you. big this is big so what what i what i want to touch on then is this now how long were you in that state for and then when did you decide to do something about it, it i was thankful i mean it was like like i said it was a, a slow burn for a decade but it, it really when it got out of control it went really fast from there. So I'd say there was about two years where I was just going straight downhill as fast as I could. So you're in so, a bit of a self-destruction. Yeah, I was just, I was just, I was just fast. I was in a bobsled going 100 miles an hour down the hill of death, like as quick as I could. And, you know, and I was out of control. Could you describe at that point where you feel like your identity was, you know, because at the point that you see yourself in your mind of being where you currently stand, but there's no physical signs of that in front of you. And you still had the courage to pull out of that deep down inside. You knew where you wanted to go. And you obviously knew that wasn't the way to get there. Something inside was, of you clicked. Yeah, that was very, that's very insightful. That's true. I, you know, I, I saw no way out. Uh, the ultimate thing that cut that drew the line was it was one weekend and I went way too hard and I come home. And I, I, I was like, what's happening to my body right now? I was having some issues and what's going on? And I went to the doctor and like, bro, like whatever you're doing here, we'll let you know right now, you better stop because this is going to be it for you. And that was it. Like, I didn't want to die. And I know, I know from a lot of other addicts and stuff, that's not enough to have them quit. But for me, it was, I said, you know, this is, I can't, I don't want to die, bro. Well, I mean, like, even that, moving forward now, because you're established and what becomes dangerous now is this, that money that was lacking and then all of the attention that comes with it, you're now, you know, a record label band that is attracting large audiences and other bands. So it's like, again, going back to the subculture of the sex, drugs and rock and roll, these other groups don't know you, you know, until they tour with you for a while. So what kind of pressures do you deal with being clean and sober when you're out on tour with all of these other temptations going on around you? You know what? I get that a lot. in uh the answer is, and I've thought about it a lot too. People ask how you how you how you do it on the road, et cetera. And I said, you know what? I don't know how I do it when I'm not on the road. Because what I find my biggest problem is is when I'm when I got too much time on my hands, which literally never happens, and I like to keep it that way. 
that's when I'm a problem. So when I'm out there on the road and I'm getting up, going to the gym, going to load in, repeat, 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 always people around me, keep me accountable and everything. I really don't get tempted too much anymore. I mean, once in a blue moon, I feel like I feel some type of way, but it's really the idle time. You know, they say idle, idle hands are the devil's playground. Mm -hmm. That's very true in my opinion. Okay. So now you go for a decade. What was your first steps in moving out of this? Now, the courage has had occurred. You've made the decision. So how do you reach out? What's your first step towards having the life you you want? Uh, I mean, it was a it was an un, it was an it's an unpopular way to do it, and it's not the way I recommend it. But I just like did it. I went face first into it, just cold turkey, battled through what was some, some really brutal months of like stone cold sobriety. I mean, I was feeling emotions for like the first time I had felt them in in many many years, and like that's a real real serious feeling, you know, like. I was just living in the cloud for so long. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is this, there's this pain that I knew was deep down there, but now I'm feeling it for the first time, you know? And as I got through a little longer, I, I got, I, I talked to others. I had support, I, you know, I went to meetings and, and then so forth. But for the most part, all this has been kind of just brutally facing it on my own, which I would not recommend. I, I recommend going to a meeting and find somebody else that. You were able to conquer it that way. Cause I mean, again, that's, it's, that's incredible strength. Cause you know, I'm sure you got some pretty good stories about detox because that's not pleasant either on the other side of it. And the ability to do this on your own, because most people need support. And right. yeah, it, it sounds like you have it now. But I mean, we're talking about when you realize you needed to make a move or, or that you weren't going to have the life you wanted. Yeah. And I wasn't at the point where I was going to die from de- uh, you know, detox and booze or anything else. But but it was like, you know, it was seriously messed up. And, and I, I don't know another person and not and not to say I'm like, I've conquered this demon or anything like I'm, I'm doing great. And I hope it stay this way. But I am under the you know assumption that this is a lifelong battle, you know, and I just I'm, I'm strong and I'm getting stronger and I hope it stays that way. But uh, by no means, I, I'll say I conquered anything. But but yeah, just it just some serious gumption, man. I just I just went into it. And I said, this, if, if this is my two decisions, life or death, I'm choosing life and I'm going to stay this path. Now, what are some of the things you do besides keeping yourself busy to stay away from the temptations? That's about it. That's it. So a lot of healthy things I do is I, uh, I do yoga, especially at home on the regular. And I work out. Uh, I try to do 10 miles a week. I try to eat healthy. And other than that, like I just I, I'm constantly doing something. There's so much to do. Um, I got this. I got a baby on the way. So I got even more motivation to to stay on a straight and narrow here. Um, That's very soon. You said it April 22nd. So this is a big time. This is your first child yep. and a uh, very exciting time. So uh, as far as what's going on with you now, and you were hearing some of the things you're doing with the weights and keeping yourself out. When do you find time to write music? That's the tough part. So I'm actually, uh, so right now we just finished the records coming out this summer super excited about that but i've already like i'm demoing out stuff for the next record and going to the studio now before this baby comes so i could spend all the time writing with the demos when i when i'm in between cat naps with this with this baby on the way but it's really on the road i mean once i got the demo down i can just squeeze it in like wherever you know and usually that's what i'll do i'll go in the studio flesh out the ideas as much as i can and then take the songs and go right to them for the next you know however long it takes how would you describe where you learned how to write music I don't know it just it always felt natural to me like even since i got that first guitar like i was way less interested in how to play the thing properly than i was about just like i want to write songs or i want to learn nirvana songs or whatever it was just like it was it's just a tool for me it's not like a uh-huh i'm not one of those guitar guys that's talking all about my string gauges and pickups and everything else i just want to like 
use it. And I'll play a piano too, like whatever I can do to get the get the ideas out. And I'll tell you what, that that's helpful too. Like there's there's very few feelings uh, that get me close to the highs I used to feel. Then like just like this like interconnectedness with this the deep creative stuff that I'm, I'm you know I'm writing and, and and to see other people connect with it too, like it kind of you know it gets me off. It's it's a beautiful thing, you know. If you have a story to share, tell us how are you going to leave your mark? Contact us, leave your mark with our host, Vince Cortez, be our guest. Now, just give me a few inspirations for lyrics. Where do you gather your inspiration from for the lyrics in your songs? On that note, like there is like a lot of this like sobriety kind of connotations and stuff and inspirational stuff in some of these songs now, which is in turn inspire a lot of people who've reached out to me. Thank you so much for all you do, this and that stuff. And, and, and it's, it's easy for me to kind of brush that stuff aside or, or not acknowledge it for what it is. But every once in a while, I'll get clued in. And I'm like, man, this is really like, what I'm doing here really is helping people. And, and it's amazing. I'm, I'm truly blessed. And the ups and the downs I've been through, like I wouldn't take anything back. Like I feel like I've I've lived a real fulfilling life to this point, and I'm I'm blessed that some other people I could help along the way. You know, this is exciting because anytime you you get somebody from Pittsburgh that does as well as you have, uh, you you want to claim them as your own. I'm lucky because I get to claim you twofold, being a blood relative, <laughs> and uh, extremely proud of what you've done. I mean, since being back myself, it's really been fun to watch and uh, encouraging. So the idea that you have the reputation of being able to manage this side of a rock and roll life and live to tell the tale, live to have a life and, and to have a purpose beyond, uh, I think you might be uh, deemed for two different things. And that's being a musician and being a strong man and your ability to control your urges and your temptations, which th that's a big credit to you, especially in the world in which you're uh, doing your work out of. So, uh, what I like to do is uh, ask everybody that comes on the show, how would you like to leave your mark? Music and making people happy and being and being a good man. I love it. That's it's outstanding, Matt. It's that's hot, man. It's good to have you on here. Uh, I'm excited to hear what comes of the summer tour and uh, these hosting events. This is really good. You guys are going to the next level, so. I'm looking forward. You got any new albums coming out this year? Yeah. So this summer we got an album coming out and then we got like our big staple events in the Midwest here. Sunny days in May at Nelson Ledges, Quarry Park in Garrettsville. We a couple thousand people out for that. And our big one is Everwild. It's outside of Columbus, Ohio um, at Legend Valley. Real, real big historic uh, uh, festival grounds. They got they host 50,000 people out there. They used to host the dead and et cetera. Oh, wow. Uh, we, got, we got Dirty Heads this year is a big name. We're excited about that. That's in August. So make sure you check that out. Now, what I want to do is get all your links and so forth. So when we post your episode, people got access to you through our venue, uh, along with any other social media you got. So keep your eyes out for them, folks. Pittsburgh Zone, homegrown. Matthew Rhodes, thanks for coming by. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. Be blessed. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. <laughs>